This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow, what a privilege to be here this morning. Amen? Just turn to someone next to you and say, it's a privilege to be in the presence of the King. Not the King will, but the King, you know, so... Now, Jesus truly is the king of all of our lives, and it's wonderful to have our friends, the kicks, Rory and Janet and Dylan and Gemma, and then Rowan's with my, with my son Matthew in the kids' church. So we met them through tennis, through this two boys playing tennis, so we spent a lot of time next to the tennis courts. So, uh, but it's wonderful to have you guys here, and also Andre and Audrey. It's awesome to have you guys also visiting. So, yo, I'm... Excited about 2023. Who's excited about 2023? Who wants 2023 to be the best year of your life? But you know, in order to do that, I believe you need to be like what John the Baptist said in John 3 verse 30. He said that he must increase, but I must decrease. I love what Andre shared earlier about the fact that we are called to prepare the way. And you know, the church today is called to be like John the Baptist, to prepare the way for Jesus to come back. Amen. John prepared the way for Jesus to come the first time, but we are preparing the way for Jesus to come back the second time to complete what he has started. But John had this revelation that in order for Jesus to increase, and I really believe that this year is the year of increase. That's the word God gave me. It's the year of increase. I believe his kingdom is going to increase. His kingdom is going to grow. We are going to grow. There's going to be awesome stuff happening. But in order for that to happen in a greater way, I believe believers, followers of Christ must decrease. We must become less, less of ourselves, less pride, less of our kingdoms, more of his kingdom. Amen. And it's, and it's a tension. It's, it's not easy. Because he partners with us. It's not like we must just fade away and be nothing because he calls us to be more than we think we are in Christ. But, but we must decrease and he must increase. And so I believe that's my faith this year, that his kingdom would increase, that he would increase, but that we would also decrease and less of us, more of him. So I read an inspiring book this holiday called Something More Than Gold about a life of the man named Eric Little. Anyone watched the movie Chariots of Fire? Some, some of you have. Do yourselves a favor and watch it. It's more about Eric's running than about his life. But this book is about Eric Little's life. And, and it was so inspiring reading about a man who was so talented. So he was born to missionaries in China. And so they discovered when he was in Scotland, he was a Scottish man. And he had incredible talent for running, a 100-meter sprinter. And he, and he started to show talent at high school. And eventually, he came to qualify for the Olympic Games in 1924 in Paris. And it's amazing in, in one year's time. Next year, it's actually the 2024 Olympics in Paris as well. So 100 years later, Olympics in Paris again. But in 1924, Eric qualified for the 100 meters in the Paris Olympics. But there was one problem. The 100-meter final was on a Sunday. And Eric refused to run on a Sunday because Sunday was his day for the Lord. And the British people were so upset because he was potentially going to win a medal at the Olympics for, for the British team. And they were really upset, but he said, I refuse. I'll enter the 200 meters and the 400 meters, but I cannot run the 100 meters on a Sunday. 
And so he did that. He entered the 200 meters and, and he came third. He got a bronze medal in the 200. And he was already pretty much a hero because he was the best in his school, the best in his club. And so everyone started to know this guy called Eric Little. And then it was time for the 400 meter final. And in the two semifinals before, there was two world records broken. The one American and I think the Swiss guy both broke the world record qualifying for the final. So Eric got into the final knowing that he's got to run against two guys who have just broken the world record. Now, for those of you who know sprinting, it's not often that you're a 100-meter sprinter and you're also good at 400 meters because they, they're two different systems. Unless your name is Wade Fanica, then you then you're kind of good at all three of them. But Eric was like Wade Fanica, good at the 100 and the 200. Little did people know that he was also good at the 400. So they started the race, and these other guys started fast. Eric started fast, and like any 100-meter runner, you don't start slow, okay? All you know is one pace, and it's flat out. But you've got to run 400 meters. And with 100 meters to go, they thought Eric's going to fade, and he was sort of leading, and the one guy was catching him, and suddenly he just had this extra burst of energy, just like Wade did in his 2016 Olympic win. He just didn't fade, and he went through the line, and they announced a new world record by 0.2 of a second. He had broken the world 400-meter record. So Eric became this national hero even more than he was. But a little after that, Eric decided he's going to follow Jesus to China. He's going to become a missionary like his parents in China. And he had so many opportunities to start to you know, pre preach the gospel at churches. In fact, on the Sunday of the 100-meter final, he was in a church telling his own story and preaching the gospel and, and helping people. But he decided he's not going to make a career out of his running. He's not going to follow that. He's going to follow Jesus into the mission field and run for him there. And it was tough. The war broke out, World War II. Then he met a, a wife. He met a, another missionary's daughter, and he married her. She was from Canada. They had three daughters. And so long story short, they had to move back between Europe and China the whole time. And they almost lost their lives on the ship because the war was breaking out. And there was torpedoes and all things trying to kill all the ships that weren't, you know, that, that weren't, uh, or the enemy of, of Germany at the time, the British. And so Eric almost lost his life a number of times. And then he, he found himself in China and things were getting so bad. He said to his wife, you, you and the kids must go back to Canada. You can't be here anymore because it's getting really bad. And he started to help people. All he was doing was just helping people. He lived for other people. He was a quietly spoken, gentle person, but he just lived to help people. And he was about to leave. He realized, you know what the Lord said to him? He must get out of China and he couldn't get out. They were caught, all the foreigners were caught in a, in a, in a constant, like a type of a concentration camp. And so he found himself stuck in this concentration camp where there were 1,800 people over two rugby fields. It was all into one small, and it was people that weren't used to this. So the people were freaked out. But Eric knew this is an opportunity to start to preach the gospel, to help people and love people. And for the next few years of his life, he spent his life helping people so much so that he must have, he started to get sick. And he, afterwards they found he had a brain aneurysm and he died of this brain aneurysm, not seeing his family again. He said goodbye to his family a few years earlier, not knowing that he wouldn't see them again. And he died at the age of 43 years old in this concentration camp in, in China. Six months later, the people were all set free. But Eric Little was an example of someone who sacrificed his life, someone who gave up his life for the cause of his King Jesus. And at the end of the book, it says here, 
Eric would probably have laughed if he had known that a movie would be made about him, obviously talking about the movie Chariots of Fire. He never considered himself anything special. He was just a man who tried to honor God and help people in need. And in the end, achieving these two simple goals made him a very special person to countless people around the world. And the testimonies are incredible of how many lives he changed and he touched because of his love for the Lord. And this book reminds me, the story of his life reminds me of what Paul is writing to the the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He's saying to them, this is the life that you've been called to live. And he writes here and he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this morning, I just want to go through these two verses of scripture for us and encourage us and challenge us to consider 2023, to consider giving yourselves up like Eric did for the cause of Jesus Christ and for the glory of Jesus. And Paul is writing and he's saying, in the light of what I've been teaching, the first 11 chapters. Now, if you know the book of Romans, Romans 11 or 1 to 11 is all about what is, what is the gospel. Paul unpacks the gospel in, in such powerful language that we can understand that the gospel is not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Isn't that good news for us this morning? Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He came for all of us. And, and Romans 1.16 says, you know, the gospel is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew and the Gentile. Romans also tells me that, that I'm not a good person. I cannot save myself. I cannot try to do good works. And that's how I actually got saved through the book of Romans. Because I realized, you know what, I'm not a, I think I'm a good person, but no person is good. There's no one good except God. But there's good news. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Romans also tells me that if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, then I can be saved. Romans also tells me that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Amen. Say more than a conqueror. And so read the book of Romans, study it. But in the first 11 chapters, Paul is saying, listen, I've, I've, I've preached to you the gospel. I've written to you this gospel, which is so great. And in the light of this gospel, I want you to live like this. I want you to live separated, holy, sanctified for God's purposes. So we're going to look at that now. And the rest of Romans 12 to 16 is all about the Christian life. How does the Christian life look? What is the outflow of a response to this good news of the gospel? So Romans 12 is a, is a key verse. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are key to how we must live the Christian life in 2023 and beyond. Amen. And so Paul is pleading with the Romans. He says, in light of all God has done, in light of this powerful gospel message that I've just taught you, I want you to do the following. And I believe God is pleading with us at the beginning of 2023 the same thing. He's saying to us, Shofar Islam and Shofar PE, believer, follower of Christ, you have heard the gospel, respond in this way. And God is pleading with us this morning and there's an opportunity to consider who God really is. And to respond and live a life that is pleasing unto Him. You see, your revelation of God, who God is first of all and what He has done, not only for you, for you, but just 
for all mankind, what he has done on the cross will determine how you respond to him. Your revelation of God will determine your response to him. Roy Lawrence says, duty follows doctrine. We can't just know doctrine, but there's a a duty, a responsibility when we've been taught these things. Practice follows principle. Can't just know about the principles and even apply them, but we need to practice them. We need to live in them. Responsibility follows revelation. Isn't that powerful? Say responsibility follows revelation. So the good news this morning and the challenge for us is that when we hear this good news, when we hear the word of God again this morning, we have a responsibility to apply it. Amen. And so what does Paul write? He says the following. He says, in light of all of this, in light of the mercies of God, and I want to say this morning, not only in light of the mercies of God, but in light of what God can do through you and for you. God will empower you to do this. That's the good news. He doesn't only start a work, he completes a work in and through your life. So tell someone next to you, God is going to help me. So Paul says, give your bodies to God. I'm pleading with you, Romans. I'm pleading with you, Shofar East London. I'm pleading with you as an individual believer. Give your bodies to God. Say, give your bodies to God. And Yari means all of you, not only your physical body, but give your whole being to God. The word give is is, is, is translated in another scripture by the word offer. Say offer. Another translation says healed. Another translation says present. But I love the word offer. The New Living Translation says give. But the New King James talks about offer yourselves. Give yourselves as an offering. And Paul is actually referring to the Mosaic system, the sacrificial system where offerings were given to please God. And just like the offerings in the Old Testament, when we offer ourselves to God, guess what that means? We no longer belong to ourselves. Amen. Do you know that the offerings were given and they couldn't be taken back because God consumed the offering with his fire. And for us as, as, as offerings to God, God starts to consume us with the fire of his Holy Spirit. And he takes our lives and he makes something amazing out of it. Amen. Many of us have had that. You've already, you are a living sacrifice right now. You are offering yourselves up and God consumes you with his fire. Because we were bought at a price, say to someone next to you, you were bought at the price. The price of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have just remembered by taking communion has been paid for you. You, you no longer belong to yourselves. You belong to God and you were bought at a price. So how many of us were given awesome gifts this holiday over Christmas time? Did, did that person take the gift back from you? Hopefully not. How many of you gave awesome gifts to some people? You know, some of us give these awesome gifts to our kids and then we wish we we could just take them back again, you know, because it takes up all the time. You know, you give them some device or some PlayStation and you don't see your kids again. But generally, we we don't take our gifts back, right? We give a gift and it's given. But why do we sometimes take our lives back? Why do we give our lives as a gift to God and then we, oh, no, I'll, I'll just take my life back again. No, I'm, I'd rather be in control, yeah. And maybe this morning, at the beginning of this new year, it's an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm, I'm giving my life to you and I'm not going to take it back again. I'm going I'm to recommit my life to you, Jesus, as a, as a living sacrifice. And Paul says, commit yourself, give yourselves 
to God. Don't take it back again. And maybe you've given yourself to the, to the Lord, but you, you tend to take, take a little bit of your life back again. So that's the first thing he says. He says, offer yourselves to God. Then how do we offer ourselves to God? This is key. He says, offer yourselves as a living and a holy sacrifice. Let your bodies be a living and a holy sacrifice. This word living sacrifice is quite interesting. Have you ever thought about it? What is a sacrifice? Something that's dead, something that's been killed, right? So are we supposed to live or are we supposed to die? Are we supposed to live as dead people or die as living people? Or How does this living sacrifice thing work? It's a bit of a contradiction. But the best way I can describe this, this living sacrifice is, is Galatians 2 verse 20. One of my favorite scriptures, the scripture that I memorized when I first got set on fire for the Lord. Paul writes to the Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a good scripture to memorize. It's a scripture that talks about the life that we've been called to live, a life of crucifying our old life and living to God. And you see, when we give ourselves fully to him, that's what happens. We are crucified. The old life is crucified. And we live in him. We live in Christ in faith. And we become one with him in his death and in his life. I had the privilege of baptizing someone a week and a half ago at the beginning of the year. This girl asked me to baptize her. She's actually in Shofar in Durbanville and her parents live just outside of P. And she wanted her family there. So we went to a place called the Blowhole near Something Good. Anyone know P.E. Uh, something Good? On the beach there, and there's this awesome rock just behind this pool. Literally, this pool is at the foot of this rock. And I was like, wow, this is an awesome baptism place, this, you know. Because my swimming pool is also good for baptisms, but this is even better. And so we baptized her, and my daughter, Caitlin, came with, and she said to me, come, let's walk on top of this rock. And it's, so we walked to the top of this rock, and you stand on the rock, and the waves are crashing against this rock, and the water's like blowing through this like hole. That's what, probably why it's called the blowhole and it makes awesome noise. And it's, but you stand on this rock and it's so beautiful. You feel like you're standing on Jesus. Where the waves come, the storms can come, but this rock is unshakable. And you know, it was so powerful to baptize her and to be at this place where I realized this is what's happening in the spirit. She's deciding to put her faith fully on the rock of Jesus Christ, to crucify the old life, to put her faith in Christ and to go through the waters of baptism. And it's so powerful. And I want to encourage anyone here, if you haven't been baptized, consider it. Consider giving your life fully to Christ by confessing. And that's what we need to do, responding to an altar call. And I want to give an opportunity this morning. If you haven't given your life to Christ or you want to recommit, then do it this morning. But, but go a step further. Get baptized. Anyone here been baptized? <laughs> Most of you. And did it change your life? Radically. And that's what Paul is writing. He's saying, be a living sacrifice. And what is a living sacrifice? He says, it's a holy 
sacrifice. It's set apart. It's sanctified, consecrated for the use of God. You see, in Jesus Christ, we are set apart. We cannot make ourselves holy. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy. We can try to be good, try to do all the right things. Only in Christ are we set apart. And when we crucify the old life and live as living sacrifices, we are set apart holy where, where, where sin wants to knock at the door, but we, you know, we are so filled with Christ that we realize, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm holy. I'm set apart. And then he says, a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. Say, acceptable to God. Other translations talk about pleasing unto God because God wants a pleasing sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were pleasing unto God because it represented sin being done away with. Amen. It represented sin being paid for. And Jesus and God came to approve of it. And it was like a sweet smelling aroma. The fire came down and it was a sweet smelling aroma, a fragrance unto God. Because there's this relationship again. God and man could become one. And in Jesus Christ, that is what happened. God and man have become one. Say hallelujah. A thousand hallelujah. Say. And then another thousand. And then another thousand. Wow. What a savior. And then he says, a living sacrifice is truly the way to worship him. In fact, it's the only way to worship him is a living sacrifice. Everything else is not worship unto God. Worship unto God is not primarily singing songs on a Sunday. Although that is amazing because we're responding to what God has done. But a living sacrifice and, and, a, and, and the worship of God is, is truly where, where we just give our whole lives unto God. Another translation says, this is your spiritual worship. This is your reasonable service. That, that is what God accepts or expects of us. Where we living sacrifices, living for him, not just coming to church either. You see, in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices and all the offerings were made, but God was still pleased with something more than that. Despite all the sacrifices, despite all the offerings, it pointed to something more than that. Do you know what that is? That there's something more pleasing to God than offerings and sacrifices. Anyone know? 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 gives us the answer. Samuel writes and he tells Saul, Saul, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul was trying to please God and Saul was disobedient. And Samuel said, Saul, you can do all the offerings and make all the sacrifices you like. But you know what? If you've been disobedient, you're not pleasing to God. He says there's, there's one way to please God, and that is to obey. He says to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. May 2023 for us be a year of more obedience to God, less disobedience. Amen. Help me, Jesus. I need Jesus for this. All of us need Jesus that we can be more obedient. So a living sacrifice talks here about obedience. John Bevere says the following, the highest form of worship, truly our spiritual worship is this, obedience. Obedience is the highest form of worship. But you see, how do we obey God? So the other, the other evening, the, we, we are hosted by the Boertas. Anyone know a, a girl called Hanli, a lady called Hanli Boerta? All the East London runners know Hanli Boerta and they lose to her okay, every time. Even the men lose to Hanli. Like, I don't, 
can't work the Hanley boat. I knew Peter once, but every other time. But Hanley and Leon are such a blessing to us. We love to stay with them, okay? So the other night we had devotional, family devotional with the Buertas. Like I'm like, let's up our game, okay? We don't often do this with our kids. We need to do it more. But so we read out of Genesis chapter 22 about Abraham's sacrifice about his son. And it's one of the passages of scripture that like challenges me so much. How did Abraham come to this place where he was so willing to sacrifice his son? He was about to kill him. And the angel's like, whoa, whoa, this guy's going to go to Fana. We didn't want this to happen, but, but he's, we can see he's, he's obedient. How did Abraham get to a place of such obedience? And the, the answer is his faith in God. Amen. He believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. That's why he went. He didn't just obey out of obligation or, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, just ticking the box. I'm obedient. I'm dying here, but I'm obedient. No, he had a living relationship with God. He himself had become a living sacrifice. And yeah, he was about to give his son as a sacrifice, but he believed that God would raise him from the dead. So how do we obey? We obey because we have faith in a living God. We don't just obey out of the law. Because if you're obeying out of the law, then you don't really know God. And it's not relational. So we can try to obey the law, but that's not what God wants. God wants obedience out of faith. And you know what the Bible says? Faith pleases God. Wow. Isn't scripture awesome? This is your reasonable service. This is pleasing unto God, a living sacrifice. Guess what? It, entail, it entails faith and it entails obedience. It's a relationship. Abraham had faith, and the Bible says the, the faith and the obedience in Abraham was accounted to him for righteousness. He was holy and righteous and pleasing unto God, even though he was still imperfect. God so loved Abraham, and God said, I'm, you're my friend. And Abraham could call himself a friend of God. So faith pleases God and it leads to obedience and it leads to holiness and righteousness. It leads to fruit in our lives. So that's what a living sacrifice is. So Paul says, let your bodies be a living and a holy sacrifice. Offer yourselves up fully to God. And then he goes on and he says in verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. And it's, it's interesting, he, he writes, and, and don't do this. But I believe if we do the first two, if we offer ourselves up fully to God as a living sacrifice, guess what? We will not copy the customs of this world. And the world here yeah, means an eon. It means a period of time or an age. And it's talking about the present evil age that we are living in. And he says, listen, yeah, this age is passing away. There's an age to come, but don't conform to this age. Conform to the, the patterns of, of God, conform to the ways of God. There are many behaviors and customs and patterns in our lives that are not pleasing to God. Amen. Anyone agree with me? Because we're all sinners. We all need changing and saving again and again and again because there's customs, behaviors, patterns, and traditions of doing things that are not in line with God. And I want to challenge you this morning to think about your life. Consider your life at the beginning of this year and say, God, I, I realize there's patterns and habits that I want to change. I want you to do it, Lord. Instead of just accepting that that is the way it is. 
So if you think you're fine as you are, you're actually deceived. <laughs> Sorry to give you some bad news here as well this morning. But if you think you're fine the way you are, you're actually deceived. You need the grace of God to continually change. Isn't that so? No one is perfect and we all need to grow. And may 2023 be a year where we grow in Christ and, and where we become more like Christ. Anyone want that for your life this year? A year of growth, a year of increase where he increases, we decrease, that we become more like Christ. The old self needs to die. But the good news is that it's not about us trying. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot become better in our own strength. But we need to allow the Spirit to change us. I remember when I got saved, Peter Pollock, the great cricket player of the past, and he was a wonderful evangelist, is a wonderful evangelist. And he said the following, which made me realize, you know what, I need a change in my life. He said the following, if there's no change, there's no Jesus. And it hit me, conviction, boom. So I thought I was fine. I thought, I, you know, I go to a certain church. I go through the rituals. I do the right thing. I haven't killed five people or, you know, murdered anyone or raped anyone or stolen millions of rands. So I'm, I'm a good person. I'm fine. I really thought I was okay until Peter Pollock said, if there's no change, there's no Jesus. And I realized I need Jesus. Jesus is into change, amen. Say so Jesus is into change. J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. The world wants to squeeze us into a certain mindset, a certain way of thinking, but Jesus wants to change us from the inside. He wants to change our thinking. And that's what Paul ends off with here. He says, the way you're not conformed to this world is by being transformed into into Christ-likeness, being transformed in the way you think, being transformed into a new person. Do you believe this morning that God can change you? Some of you are like not so sure, you know. God's changed me up to a point, but yeah, he's going to struggle now, you know. But the good news is God can continue to change you if you want to be changed. So let God transform you into a new person. And maybe this morning you need to be changed for the first time. You realize you're in this world. You're conforming to the ways of this world. You want a new life in Christ. It's possible this morning. Jesus can change your life. He can start a process of transformation. Anyone heard of the word metamorphosis? The word transformation that Paul is talking here is the word we use for metamorphosis. And it describes the change that takes place when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Through this transforming process, this caterpillar becomes a beautiful, beautiful creature. Now, I've got a picture up there. You see that that caterpillar doesn't look too bad. But anyone here like caterpillars? You know, like, imagine like squishing them like that. If you ever like, you know, there's a lot of mess. You like squeeze a caterpillar. It's not something you want to walk over you or... Kept, some people keep them as pets, but I'll pray for you afterwards. <laughs> but a caterpillar needs transformation. A caterpillar's purpose is actually to be transformed into a beautiful butterfly, isn't that so? But some of us, 
in our lives, are, there's certain ways and areas of our lives that are still caterpillar thinking and still conform to, to a caterpillar. And God wants to say to you that he wants to transform you into a beautiful butterfly. The nature of this caterpillar has changed so drastically that it no longer crawls, but it soars through the air. See, a caterpillar can only crawl on the ground. A butterfly can fly. A butterfly can land where it wants to. A butterfly is free. Do you see the freedom? Whereas a caterpillar is bound to this earth, a butterfly is like connects with heaven. And that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in all our lives. Transform us, transform our way of thinking, transform the caterpillar ways in our lives into butterfly ways. That middle picture, the, the, the middle stage looks pretty dead, right? looks like nothing's happening. It's called the pupa stage. In that pupa, it looks lifeless, but there's actually a lot going on inside. Because the caterpillar is literally liquefied. That's a nice thought, right? And then it's reassembled to form the new solid structure of the butterfly. And so maybe this year is a year of transformation for you. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving myself over as a living sacrifice that you can transform the caterpillar in me to a beautiful butterfly. I want to be who I really am created to be. And in the natural, that will happen naturally. But in the spirit, we need to partner with God and say, God, really, I want to go into that pupa stage. I want to have transformation. I want to change. There's a radical change of nature and character that that creature undergoes. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, allow God, let God transform you into a new person, into a new creature. This morning, I just want to mention three ways that we change. Three ways that we as people can change. The number one is the Word of God. Say the Word of God. And it's wonderful our Bible school is, is starting here, that, that there's an opportunity again for the Word of God to transform us. Maybe some of us need to have more of the Word of God in our lives because we are conforming to traditions and patterns that are maybe of, of man and of people, and, and they're not quite of God. And there's a lot of deception going on in the body of Christ. Anyone notice that? Paul says that in the last days, people will be deceived. And it's not talking about unbelievers. It's talking about believers in the church. But for us to be changed, we need the Word of God. We need to understand what the Word of God is really saying. And the Word of God changed my life. The book of Romans changed my life because I realized this is the gospel. The gospel is that I cannot save myself, but Jesus has come to do a beautiful work in my life. So we need the Word of God to change us. The second way is... The Spirit of God. Say the Spirit of God. I remember getting born again in 1992, and only in 2001 did I realize who the Spirit of God is. I realized that I can be a witness. I can be bold. You know, I was a very shy person growing up. I couldn't speak to people easily. I would rather hide away. When people came to our farm, I was like behind the couch, in my, bed, in my bedroom, close the door. I don't want to see people. And yeah, God changes me by the Spirit of God, and He makes me into a preacher. I mean... How weird is that? God can do anything. <laughs> Glory to Him. Still can't believe it sometimes. 
But when he changes us by his spirit, we become new people. So if you, if you don't know the spirit of God, if you haven't got a relationship with, with the spirit of the living God, then maybe it's time for you to discover more of the Holy Spirit, not to be afraid of him. He's so, he's so gentle, he's so powerful, he's so, he so loves you. He's not a freak, he's not weird. He's, he's God himself by his spirit right here. And you can feel him in this place. You can't see him, but you, can, you know he's here. So the Spirit of God changes us. We cannot only have the Word of God. We also need the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God makes the Word of God come alive. It makes Jesus come alive to you. But then there's a third way that we change. And you need all three of these working together. You need the people of God. Say the people of God. See, if you have the Word of God, you have the Spirit of God, and you've got the people of God, that's called discipleship. That's how we follow Jesus together. Amen. Jesus used his disciples as a perfect example. He was the word made flesh and he, and he walked by the spirit and he, he molded a group of, of people into life-changing, world-changing people. And they changed the world and we are here today because of Jesus, his spirit and the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, it's about the first people of God that started to follow him by his spirit and did awesome stuff. They, they turned the world upside down, the Bible says. And you can also turn your world upside down. But are you, willing be, are you willing to be turned upside down first? So that you can turn your world upside down. Are you willing to be changed? Are you willing to submit yourself to people? Do you have people in your life that can help you follow Jesus? I'm so thankful for Andre. I'm so thankful for other leaders that can speak into my life. And I say, you know, help me at times. I don't know. I'm, I need help. I need prayer. I need encouragement. The ministry is challenging at times. But who do you have in your life that can help you learn more about the Word of God, learn more about the Spirit of God, move in the Spirit? And who can you disciple? That was so beautiful about the people of God. We can disciple others. We don't only need people to speak into my life, but we can start speaking into other people's lives. That's what makes church so beautiful. Don't you see the powerful and a glorious way in which God has put his church together. He starts with his, the word, made flesh. And he speaks his word into being the power of prophecy. Then he, his spirit blows over the word of God and makes it alive. And then he blows his spirit over God's people. And he says, now change the world together. This church is busy changing the city. Amen. But it can even do more as more people partner with what God is doing. So do you have people in your life? Are you submitted to people that can speak and challenge you on the stuff that's not right in your life? Because we all need the people of God. It's like a fire. How does a fire burn? Through the wood, the, the material, through oxygen and through heat. Those three things. A fire is beautiful when, when all those three things are present. It will continue to burn. And if the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God aren't continually present, you know what? You're going to burn out. So are you willing to let 2023 be a year of transformation, a year where you change by all three of these? Will you allow God to change your nature and your character from a caterpillar into a butterfly? Something beautiful. And you know what Paul ends and he says, when you allow this to happen in your life, when you respond to the plea of offering yourselves up, of, of giving yourselves as living sacrifices of of, of living fully for him and being transformed and being changed, you know what you're going to do? You're going to know God's will for your life. 
God's good and He's perfect and He's pleasing will for your life. I believe there's some people here, you're not sure what is God's will for your life. You're doing a lot of things. You might be making a lot of money. You might be successful in the eyes of the world. But, but what is God's will? Are you fulfilling God's will for your life? And maybe it's time for you to be changed. Maybe it's time for you to say, Lord, yes, my body, yes, my whole life is a living sacrifice. I want to know your good, your pleasing, and your perfect will. I want to be like Eric Little. I want to, if I have to die, you know what? I'm going to die in peace, even though it's terrible that I couldn't see my family. But I'm going to die because I knew I was in the good and the perfect and the pleasing will of God. And if you're unsure this morning, then come. And offer yourselves up, offer your life up as a living sacrifice. Be transformed. Be willing to change. All of us, I believe, want to know God's good and His pleasing and His perfect will. Don't think there's anyone in this world that doesn't want to know God's will, especially if you if you know God. Maybe if you don't know God, you don't care. But the sad thing is, at the end of this life, there's no chance again to respond. When you die, there's no more time to respond. Your response is now. Will you respond to God's call? Will you respond to God's plea? Tell someone next to you, this is good news this morning. And I hope it's challenging because it's challenging for me. When we read the word of God, we realize, sure, you know what? I think I'm fine, but I am not. I need to conform even more to God's image and not to this world. So in conclusion, a living sacrifice is the following. Number one, a living sacrifice belongs to God. Say, I belong to God. Your life truly matters. You do belong to God, but you need to offer yourself up. God does not force himself on you. He doesn't claim his ownership over you unless you respond. But he has paid the price, friends. Amen. It's the gospel. Jesus Christ has paid the price. And so a living sacrifice belongs to God, number one. A living sacrifice is holy and obedient. And it takes faith to be holy and obedient. Only faith pleases God. A living sacrifice is dead to the old life. Say dead to the old life. So sometimes we've got to keep crucifying the flesh until it eventually dies. We need to say again, no flesh on the altar, on the altar. No, I'm giving myself back to God. No, I'm taking myself back to the altar. I'm not going to be in control of my life. I'm dead to the old life. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. And then a living sacrifice, lastly, is willing to change. And how many of us, as we grow older, we realize, hey, we're stuck in our ways. We are so unwilling many times to change. But by the grace of God, we can change. Amen. We can be transformed. And the good news this morning is, if you're willing to offer yourselves as living sacrifices this morning, the good news is that you're going to be transformed. That's something you cannot do. Only God can change you. You need to offer yourselves as a, a living sacrifice. So if you do that, you're going to be transformed, number one. You're not going to conform to the ways of this world. You're not going to want to sin anymore. You're not going to want to do these things. Number three, you're going to walk in obedience and in holiness. And you're going to know the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. So it all starts with just saying yes to Jesus. And to his plea of offering yourselves up for 2023 as a living sacrifice. The question this morning is, are you willing to do that? So count the cost. It's a beautiful cost. It's been paid for, but it's a life of obedience and faith.
And the voice of God is calling people this morning to offer yourselves up afresh. To commit your business to the Lord. To commit your finances to the Lord. To commit every part of your life to the Lord. To say, God, like Eric Little, if I have to give up fame and fortune and money and all these things for the cause of your gospel, I'll do that. Because there's nothing better. There is indeed something greater than gold to live for. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.